This is the Vandy Sports Podcast on the 440 Sports Network, and I'm your host, Billy Derrick. This week's Vanderbilt football pregame show is brought to you by The Wash House, The Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, Sutherland and Belk, and Maynard Nexon Government Contracts Group. Topics on today's show, as well as this season's baseball content, are presented by the Murfreesboro Pure Milk Company, a family-owned, third-generation milk and ice cream distribution company located in Murfreesboro. A partnership began over 50 years ago with Purity Dairy in Nashville to provide purity milk and ice cream to consumers in Middle Tennessee, and they now serve Southern Kentucky, Northern Alabama, Chattanooga, and North Georgia. Today, they supply grocery stores, convenience stores, and others with Purity products, as well as Mayfield, Nestle, and Haagen-Dazs ice cream. For more information, visit their website at mpmci.com. Again, that's mpmci.com. Also, we're still looking for a sponsor for football content, so if you'd like to sponsor this season's football content, give Chris Lee an email at chrislee70.com. On today's show, we will get to the latest news, your mailbag questions, also, what to watch for? Brand new segment with Joey Dwyer, writer here at VandySports.com. Andrew Allegretta, director of radio broadcasting at Vanderbilt, will join me to preview Hawaii and Vandy Saturday night. And I'm also joined by the radio play-by-play broadcaster for Hawaii, Mr. John Veneri for ESPN Honolulu. We will preview the matchup with him. And last but certainly not least, one of the nicest people I've ever met, Michael Scholl. Director of Football Communications at Vanderbilt will join me to break down the ins and outs of uh, getting in and out of Vanderbilt Stadium on Saturday. Today's news is presented by The Wash House, which is also our presenting sponsor for basketball season. Are you dreading laundry day? Is it stealing time to do the things that you truly enjoy? Let the laundry professionals at The Wash House take care of that for you. With two convenient locations in the greater Nashville area, just drop off your dirty laundry and their professional attendance can give you back the one thing you can never have enough of, your time. Within 24 hours, you can pick up your nicely folded, fresh and clean laundry ready to be put away. Log on to washhouseclean.com. Again, that's washhouseclean.com or stop in today and get your time back. This just in, football is back. Hawaii at Vanderbilt, Saturday night, 6.30 p.m. Central Time, If you're not able to get to the game, you can watch it on the SEC Network. Some things are bigger than football, though. We we are all continuing the prayers for Hawaii in support of recovery efforts following the devastating wildfires on Maui. Vanderbilt announced that a portion of proceeds from each ticket sold to Saturday night's game will be donated to the Maui Strong Fund. That's even more reason to buy a ticket to Saturday night's game. Clark Lee had a very classy quote regarding this situation and um that that's that's a type of uh coach clark lee is and the type of program vanderbilt wants to have uh, but also again continued prayers to everyone uh, who has suffered uh, through this tragedy and continued prayers for everyone in maui all right this matchup hawaii and vanderbilt the rainbow warriors led by timmy chang last season they went three and ten he's heading into his second season meanwhile vanderbilt under clark lee five and seven last year Clark in his third season. Hawaii and Vandy met for the first time in last year's season opener where the Commodores trounced the Rainbow Warriors 63-10 to in Honolulu. Vandy was only up 21-10 to at the half, but they scored 35 points in the third quarter. This weekend marks just the fifth time in program history that Hawaii will play an SEC team on the road and first since the 2008 season opener at Florida where the Rainbow Warriors lost 56-10. to Hawaii only has three all-time wins over current SEC teams, so certainly a challenge for the Rainbow Warriors making the trip all the way to Nashville. Speaking of a long trip, all aboard the Hawaiian Express, Hawaii traveled 4,340 air miles. That's 8,680 round trip heading back to Honolulu. In contrast, Vanderbilt will travel approximately 3,154 total miles for its six road trips this season. Hawaii's six road trips this season? 37,000 round-trip air miles. Hawaii is traveling this season. That's something to watch. This game, can Hawaii stave off some of the, and I don't know if you'd call it jet lag, but you know, can they fight through that? Uh, can they uh, be mentally tough enough to uh, stay in the fight throughout the fourth quarter and that second half 
against Vanderbilt. All right, let's get into today's mailbag. And we've got a few questions to get to. I sent this out uh, before I started recording. So again, thank you guys so much for uh, for firing those questions in here. I'll have to rumble through them because we do have uh, four guests to get to here on the podcast. First question from VU Period. Are Christian James and Davion Davis going to return to 100% health this season? Can't answer that, but I, I'll venture to guess close to it. I mean, I think Christian James by the end of the season, will be close to 100%. Davion Davis, I think, might be back a little bit sooner uh, than Christian James. Uh, he's still recovering from from an injury he suffered uh, last season. So I, I think, yes, I, I'll answer yes to that. Again, I think Davius, Davion Davis will be closer to 100% quicker than James. Uh, but I think both of them, before the end of the season, will return uh, to at least close to 100% health. He also asked, do you think Vandy's offensive playbook opens up this season with so many returning starters? Yes. Uh, I mean, number one, you return a quarterback that, I don't know if you'd call him your starter, but he started some games last year. A.J. Swan is a completely different style quarterback than Mike Wright. Um, you know, also the receivers. Will Shepard comes back. Quincy Skinner is back. Jade McGowan is back. you got a couple of talented freshmen stepping in, and they're going to make plays this season. So not only – the returning starters, they've got more weapons. I mean, I, I think they like Logan Kyle at tight end. They've got all those returning starters on the offensive line. So easy answer, yes. Vandy's offensive playbook opens up this season. All right, last question here from VU Period. Is Hawaii on its way to becoming an explosive offensive team, and will that happen this season? I'm going to talk about this uh, when, when we get closer uh, to the Hawaii part of this podcast, but yes. Now, I say explosive. I'm not saying... You know, they're going to put up 50 points against Vanderbilt. But Timmy Chang ran the run and shoot at Hawaii. I mean, the run and shoot offense has a proud, strong tradition at the University of Hawaii in their football program. And Braden Shager has had an entire offseason to to prepare for this season and and get better, get better under Timmy Chang. And he's a junior. He was a sophomore last year. He put up good numbers last year. He did have 10 interceptions. So I think that's an interesting aspect to this. If Shager can take care of the football, I think Hawaii can 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 pick off some teams they're not expected to beat this year. All right, VU in Georgia. Who will be the MVP of the game? That's a really good question. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go running back Patrick Smith. I, I think I think Vanderbilt's running game is gonna have a huge night against Hawaii. Hawaii's defensive line struggled last year. And they, they're not – I just don't think they match up well with Vanderbilt's offensive line and their running game. So I'm going to go Patrick Smith, Vanderbilt running back, will be the MVP. Okay, from in gold, which side of the ball will see the greatest improvement and why? It's another good question. I will go – you know, I'll go defensively. Why not? I mean, I know the easy answer might be the offense, you know, and, and Will Shepard, all those receivers, and A.J. Swan. But after seeing fall camp, I, I've seen this improvement. But I think defensively will be the greatest improvement. Not on the boundaries, but in the middle of that defense. Right? You've got Devin Lee, Nate Clifton, a couple of veteran guys up there. Clifton more so than Lee. But Ethan Barr and Kane Patterson. Also Langston Patterson in the middle there. C.J. Taylor roaming around. I think the middle of this defense, it's going to be hard to run the football against Vanderbilt. Now, you get into SEC competition, might be a different story, but I just think Hawaii, Alabama A&M, Wake Forest, maybe Missouri, Kentucky, Florida, those matchups, I think Vanderbilt's defense, the interior, the middle of that defense, will be the greatest improvement. Also, from in gold, Coach Clark Lee has made it clear that the telescopic view for Team 3 is playing longer than three months. If you had to pick one thing that has to change for this team to make that happen, what one thing would you point to? I would say starting games better. If Vanderbilt wants to get to six wins this year, and that and you're right, that is what Clark Lee has talked about. They've got to they've got to get off to better starts, even against Hawaii last year. I know they ended up winning sixty three to ten, but this season against Hawaii, you can't afford a start like that because Hawaii, this offense, that's a dangerous offense led by Braden Shager and Tylen Hines at running back. So starting games better, I think if last season, if Vanderbilt starts the game better against Missouri, they they probably win that game. If they start the game better against South Carolina, they give themselves a better shot. 
you know. So I, I would say I would say getting off to better starts and stepping on teams' throats when, when you get the opportunity, right? I mean, last year, Ole Miss Vanderbilt was up at halftime, twenty-one to ten, and they just they got you know I don't know that you would say they got complacent, but they got comfortable. Same thing happened with Elon. So sort of both sides of the coin there. I know Vanderbilt last season. You know, they, they struggled late in that game against Elon. So, number one, getting off to better starts. And number two, also stepping on their throat when you get the chance to for Vanderbilt to make a bowl game this season. All right, from Woody VU, will this defensive line actually generate a pass rush? This is basically the same group from last year that opposing quarterbacks could eat a sandwich in the pocket until someone got open. So why is it generally thought that we will have a pass rush this year? Uh, well, I'll say this, that I don't don't think it's the same group. I just mentioned Nate Clifton, Devin Lee. Those guys were there uh, last year. Miles Capers is back. Uh, Isa Wataha is going to have a, a, a larger role. And, you know, you, you look at this this defensive line, there's more depth there, right? You've got a young guy like Demarion Thomas who's not even on the depth chart. Lin, Linus Zunk uh, is a guy that, that will play. Bradley Mann. Um, you know, he, he will play this year. Darren Agu will not play against Hawaii, but Darren Agu is, I think he's really going to surprise some people around the country that aren't aware of this Vanderbilt D-line. I think he's going to really get to the quarterback this year. So, yeah, I think Vanderbilt's going to be able to generate a pass rush. Um, and, it, you know, I would disagree with you. This is not the same group. They've got more depth. They've got younger pieces there uh, who got better. Capers being back is huge. Anis DeCosmo, not much of a pass rusher, but, um, you know, he's a guy that that is great in run defense. So it's generally thought that we'll have a pass rush this year because there's new players out there and uh, there's depth, there's added depth. So thank you uh, for all the mailbag questions. Now we will get to our guest line. Our guest line is presented by John Leffen and the Mater Nexon Con Government Contracts Group. Mater Nexon advises government contractors on all aspects of their businesses with a proud focus on matching legal solutions to business needs. Give them a call at 256-551-0171. Again, that's 256-551-0171. Guests on today's show, Joey Dwyer, Andrew Allegretta, John Veneri, and Michael Scholl. We start with Joey Dwyer. All right, it's time for What to Watch For with Joey Dwyer. Proud, uh, very talented writer uh, here at VandySports.com. Uh, it's an honor to, to, to work with you, Joey, and... And we'll start with sort of initial thoughts. Bandy, Hawaii, Saturday night, 6.30 kickoff. Uh, you can watch it on the SEC Network. Joe, you, uh, you've been in town for, I guess, a little over a week here, and you've gotten acquainted with things. You've been at the stadium a couple of times. Uh, so for any fans wondering you know, what that might look like, first off, uh, from your perspective, uh, you, can, you can sort of give them an answer. You've been there. All right. It's going to look a lot different. If you walk in through the end zones, you will be greeted by some construction equipment. Uh, we saw the video board yesterday will be hoisted up on two cranes. I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but everything's going to be temporary, I think, is generally the message there. And Clark Lee's really embraced kind of the environment of his stadium and the rocks, the gravel, the equipment. He kind of wants that to be a parallel to his team in terms of their physicality and their grittiness. I think grittiness is a word you've heard a lot this week coming out of that program from Barton Simmons, from Clark Lee in general. They don't want that to be a detriment to their team. They want to be that to be something that kind of defines their team in terms of how they react to this and how they respond to this. It's a really unique situation and obviously not one that's really ideal with Vanderbilt's looking to kind of make the most of it. And we get, we'll see early this week uh, if they can kind of embrace that style of play with physicality um, and that grittiness that they bring up. I think it'll be interesting to see um, if Vanderbilt can win this game in the trenches because I think they're set up well to do that. But we'll talk about that in the what's to watch for. Yeah, what to watch for with uh, Joey Dwyer is going to be our new segment, and it'll be the first segment of every pregame show. So uh, we'll usually have a few other segments after Joey, but this will kick us off and sort of you know introduce you guys to the matchup, what uh, we will be watching for. And Joe, you mentioned grittiness before we get into those uh, three things. Clark said that in an interview with Sirius XM. He mentioned, you know, we'll drop the ball down and play in the parking lot. You know, we, we don't care where we play. We don't care who we play, but but we're going to play. And uh, you're right. That has been a theme within this last week with this team, and that'll be interesting to watch. 
right? Even when they go on the road, do, you know, are they able to carry that uh, with themselves? So, uh, and then I'll, I'll leave it to you at the end, Joey, to give some of your final thoughts. But first, first thing to watch for for me in this matchup, Joey, is Vandy's running game. Now, I'll be watching their time of possession. That last season, they ranked 21st in the country and fourth in the SEC in time of possession. And, and that's, I mean, that that's that's really impressive. I actually didn't even know that stat, so that surprised me. Averaging 32. Uh, minutes per game a little over 32 minutes they've averaged over 30 minutes per game in both years under Clark Lee and and that's you know that's something kind of laying in the weeds that I think a lot of people uh, don't realize they'll have to possess the ball against Hawaii and take care of the ball in order to beat Hawaii because I'll get into it later this Hawaii team is not last year's Hawaii team right they're not I don't know if I'd you'd call them a slouch or a pushover or, or even a cupcake, right? They, they've they've got a very talented offense. And so Vanderbilt will have to possess the ball. I think they will be able to. But, Joey, I expect that to happen in the run game, right? And I mentioned this in, in this uh, the first episode of this week with, uh, Joe, with Chris and, and Luke. And I said with Vandy's experience in, in the offensive line, I think the fourth quarter depth will present itself. So for me, Joey – and I know a lot of ours will be similar, but my first thing to watch for is Vanderbilt's running game, and that that is is in parallel with the time of possession because they will have to possess the ball but also take care of the ball in order to, to beat the Rainbow Warriors. Right. I think that's one of the spots where maybe there's the most questions just in terms of what they have in that running back room. Patrick Smith has obviously shown some things before, particularly in Gainesville a few years ago, but really hasn't been – kind of that lead back that Vanderbilt's expecting him to be this year. I think there's also a balance that I want to bring up in terms of times of time of possession, especially against a team like Hawaii. What I think of Vanderbilt's running back room as is a little bit different than what I thought of it last year. I thought last year was more of a time of possession kind of bell cow room with uh, Ray Davis because obviously he wasn't going to break off as many big runs. But this year, I don't know that Vanderbilt's going to be able to control that time of possession as much as it had in the past, but I almost think they could be a little more successful with less time of possession this year just because of some of the playmakers they have in that backfield. Uh, A.J. Newberry is the fourth string. He might even be the most explosive guy. Uh, Patrick Smith, obviously, a little bit more explosive than Ray Davis, and Cedric Alexander has some big playability too. So I almost wonder if maybe the time of possession is less, but Vanderbilt still wins by a significant margin just because maybe they have more explosive play potential. But I think that's a good thought, I think, the time of possession will be important, especially as Vanderbilt gets in a little bit over its head as it faces Georgia and uh, Tennessee and all those teams. A little bit different against Hawaii, but it's still important. And I think Vanderbilt's offensive line and the continuity it has there will certainly help it out as it attempts to kind of control the game and keep the ball in its hands. That's a good point that I didn't even think about. You know, maybe this season Vanderbilt sort of morphs into a team that uses tempo to the advantage more so than they did last year. Second for me, Joey, Vandy's secondary. Keep an eye on quarterback Braden Shager. He's he's improved. He started 10 games last season, including the last nine of Hawaii's season. He, he was able to get, uh, I, I think, a few wins for Hawaii last year. He's from Texas, so you know it runs in his blood, right? Uh, you know, he threw for 2,300 yards last season, 13 touchdowns. Uh, he did have 10 interceptions. So obviously that's not the best number. And I'm not saying look out for a Johnny football performance from, from Braden Shager, but just be weary that he's improved and he's had all off season to, to master the run and shoot offense that, that Timmy Chang has instituted. They instituted this about midway through last season and they got a few wins uh, down, down the stretch of last year, beat a, a, a decent UNLV team. They beat Nevada. So, I'll say this, Joey, if Vandy's not ready to play, Shager has done enough in this offense to take advantage, right? And and the cornerbacks are, are what we're watching, right? I, I In my notes, I said Vandy's secondary because I don't think it's just the cornerbacks. I think the safeties play a big role as well. Um, but in terms of the Vanderbilt fan lens, I think most people are more worried about that cornerback position, right? As, as we've talked about, you know, ever since you got into town, kind of trying to get it get antiquated with the team so for me joey i'm also looking at Vandy's secondary and, and and seeing how they attack Braden shager because if they fall asleep that might get dangerous 
Right. That was in my five uh, things to watch story as well. I think you'd be remiss to not put that on there just with all the question marks surrounding that room. Who's going to start? What are they going to give you? Who knows? And I think they're going to be tested early and often. Even Clark Lee said that. I think that was my first question to him of game week is uh, why he's going to try to throw it up and down the field. Do you think your corners are ready for that and how beneficial do you think that is? And Clark Lee said immediately, we're going to figure out exactly what we have in that room early. And uh, I think they will. And I think it'll be interesting also to see how playing time is allotted with the corners. He said Martel Height's going to play. Trudeau Berry's going to play. Even if they're not starting, I think Martel Height still has a, start, a chance to start uh, at the number two spot. But Vanderbilt's got a lot of questions to answer there. And I think that could be something that really determines the outcome of this game. Is it 42-31 to 31 or is it 42-7? to Seven. I think the DBs are going to determine a lot of that, and Hawaii's going to want to throw it up and down the field, as Timmy Chang teams do. Vanderbilt's going to get tested early and often. I think that's going to be good for them to see early in the year, even against a team like Hawaii, just to be tested like that in game action before you face off against the NFL players that you'll see in the SEC. Yeah, you're right, Joey, and, and Vanderbilt's going to rotate cornerbacks. Um, you know, they'll they'll rotate safeties, they'll rotate defensive linemen because that's what you got to do against this run and shoot offense. So how many guys get to play on defense? I mean, I, I would I'd venture to guess, you know, 16, 17, maybe upwards of maybe even 20 guys. I mean, you, you know, you really could see that in, in this game, especially if Vanderbilt gets up uh, and, and has a big lead late in the fourth quarter. So definitely something we're both watching Vanderbilt secondary to see how they match up with Braden Shager and that Rainbow Warriors offense. All right, lastly here, Joey, Hawaii has a, a, a pretty solid running back as well, right? Their quarterback and their running back are their two best players, right? Braden Shager at quarterback, and then Tylen Hines will be their featured back. Last year, he ranked first nationally among freshmen in yards per carry at 7.6. So that's almost eight yards per carry, which is, is really good uh, for any freshman. Plus he was one of two freshmen nationally averaging over seven yards per carry. So he was in a class of his own last year. I'm interested to see Joey Vandy's front seven go to work, right? I, I've, I've been at fall camp since day one and, and the, the interior of that defensive line has really caused some havoc, right? Not only in the running game, but also on quarterback pressures and, and things like that. So I would expect the middle of that defense to dominate against Hawaii. And maybe it doesn't show early on, but throughout that game, as it plays out, I would expect guys like Devin Lee and Nate Clifton on the interior and Kane Patterson and Ethan Barr at linebacker to play a huge role uh, in this uh, this game. Now Hawaii, they're they're not a they're not a team that wants to overpower you with the run, right, Joey? And and, and you you know that as well with that offense, but they will run the ball, right? So I think Vanderbilt they'll have to stop that run. I think they will, led by Lee and Clifton up front in the interior, and especially all the linebackers they've got. I'm excited to see Brian Longwell, Langston Patterson in there as well. Nick Rinaldi get those let let those linebackers go to work. So uh, lastly for me, Joey, and I and you might have an one or two more things to watch, but Tylen Hines is a good running back. How does Vanderbilt fare against their first, you know, tough test against a really good running back this season? So Vandy's run defense is uh, is the last thing I'm really keying on. For sure. A lot of what I had planned to talk about was relating to the trenches, and I'll talk about that for one of my three points, but I think Vanderbilt has a real chance to separate themselves in the trenches in this game, not just because they want to form their identity there, just because – I think there's a lot more continuity in terms of Vanderbilt's groups, uh, the offensive line and the defensive line. I think the defensive line can really shut Hawaii's offense down and make it easier on the defensive backs. Um, even in the run game, I think Vanderbilt can really kind of slow down Hawaii's run game, which is really probably what its safety blanket's going to be. So Vanderbilt's defensive line is certainly something to watch. And I guess that'll segue into my first thing to watch just because it's kind of similar the trenches. I think Vanderbilt can really win this game in the trenches. It has the continuity on the offensive line, has talented players on its offensive line. We'll have a nice rotation, so it'll be interesting to watch there. But Hawaii's defensive line, I think, is largely due, and its offensive line only has one returner uh, as a starter. So it'll be really interesting to see if Vanderbilt can kind of wreck this game in the trenches and really open everything up on the offensive end through the trenches. And then on the defensive side of the ball, 
can it really slow down Hawaii's offense and shut down really everything uh, just because of what it has versus what Hawaii has, which I'm not sure is super strong at this point in the year, especially since there's only one returning starter. So Vanderbilt has a real opportunity to separate itself in the trenches and win this game in there. I know Clark Lee talks a lot about how you win it on the perimeter. The corners will certainly be important, but I think Vanderbilt has a real chance to separate itself on the inside. Yeah, and in that in that story, Joe, you did a great job. Five things to watch for if you haven't checked it out. Go ahead and check out that story on VandySports.com from Joey. Um, you also mentioned A.J. Swan, right? We haven't even talked about A.J. Swan in, the, in this this Vanderbilt offense. You said it's Swan's time now, right? And, and I think he would love hearing that. He has the keys to the car, right? He owns this offense. Clark Lee has <clears throat> continuously said that. Joey, I'll say this about Swan. I think this is a game where there there may not be, you know, they may not show a lot of new things. There might be some, you know, some simplicity in the run game and also maybe a bubble screen here or there, simple screen pass to get their playmakers in space. Not saying they're not going to take deep shots, uh, but we may not see the true uh, A.J. Swan uh, that we're going to see over the course of the season, right? You know, if this was an SEC opponent, uh, we would be talking about this game and what A.J. Swan needs to do a little bit differently, right? Um, but for you, Joey, what, what do you expect to see from from Swan and this offense uh, Saturday night? Really what I'm looking for from Swan is just comfortability. And I think Clark Lee mentioned that a little bit yesterday. When I asked Clark Lee what he wanted to see from A.J. Swan this weekend, he said and repeated this. He said, small things done well. I want to see small things done well. And I think that's kind of the key for A.J. Swan this weekend to stay within himself, take care of the ball, don't make poor decisions. And I think A.J. Swan can do that, especially against a group like Hawaii. I think the thing to watch for with him is just, is he comfortable? Is he staying within himself? And that's hard to do for a young quarterback in a week zero night game. But I think that tells you a lot about A.J. Swan if that's able to be the case. And Clark Lee had a good quote yesterday about A.J. Swan just saying, I don't know if there's ever been a moment that's too big for him since he's got here, and I don't think Hawaii mm-hmm. would be the biggest moment of his career either. So it'll be an interesting game for A.J. Swan to kind of see how he handles that moment. and handles being the guy for the first time. Mike Wright uh, was always kind of banging on the door with A.J. Swan playing quarterback last year. Ken Seals is a solid option, but ultimately you want A.J. Swan as your quarterback, and ultimately it's his job until he loses it. And he's not going to lose it on Saturday night but he's going to have a chance to really cement himself as the guy on Saturday night. And he's going to have a chance to show that he can be the guy that takes this Vanderbilt program to bowl eligibility and its next level. I think some Vandy fans are going to be surprised, pleasantly surprised this season by what they see from this Vanderbilt offense, uh, explosiveness, quickness, you know, tempo. And, and you've seen that too, Joe. You hear in these last uh, couple of practices, Chris and I have seen it all fall camp, but also, it'll be interesting, Joey, to see what other quarterbacks play, right? Does Ken Seals get in there late? I'm, I would guess he does, right, uh, assuming Vanderbilt has a comfortable lead. But do you even get to see a third quarterback, whether it's Drew Dickey or Walter Taylor? I think that is uh, is another thing I'm watching. I know it's it's game one, week zero. We could probably have a thousand different things we're, <laughs> we're watching uh, in this game. But, Joey, before we let you go, do you have anything to leave us with? And then tell everybody where they can find your work, uh, whether it's VandySports.com, your Twitter, uh, and uh, every, everywhere else uh, the fans can reach you. Yeah, I'm looking forward to tomorrow, my first football game covered in person. And really excited, but for all Vanderbilt fans, it'll look different. And I'm interested to see that as well. I think it'll probably be more of a late-arriving crowd. It'll be difficult to get in and out of there potentially, and I'm sure you'll talk about that later in the podcast, but it'll look different. It's up to Vanderbilt whether it embraces that and whether it can transcend that. I talked this week in a piece about winning transcends construction, and I think the story Saturday night will not be the construction if Vanderbilt wins 63-10 to 10 again. If Vanderbilt's only winning by 7 or 10 at the end of this game, I think it's kind of a double whammy. You only beat them Hawaii by 7 or 10, and the construction's going on, so Winning transcends construction, and I think Vanderbilt will aim to make that the case on Saturday. There it is. Joey Dwyer 
from uh, right here at VanitySports.com. Uh, you can follow his work, his Twitter, uh, right there. If you're watching, you can see his uh, his username there at Joey underscore DWY. And Joey, we got our first game. First, this is this is our first football game. We're both covering, and we're doing it uh, together. So I'm looking forward to that, and uh, I can't wait. We're, we're going to be there early, and we recommend fans showing up early as well. But Joey, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Billy. We got wings and I think barbecue in the press box. So we'll be having a good time tomorrow. That just made my day. I'm so glad you told me that, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) That's Joey Dwyer. Coming up, we will be joined by Andrew Allegretta, the voice of the Vanderbilt Commodores. So stay tuned for that. Andrew Allegretta, the director of radio broadcasting at Vanderbilt, joins me now. And Andrew, let's hop right into it. Uh, we, we've we've seen each other at fall camp. I think we 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 know what each other knows, but just so the fans are aware of what this season might look like on 102.5 The Game, what uh, what can you tell uh, the fans to, to sort of be prepared for this football season? Yeah, from a radio broadcasting standpoint, this is our first season on 102.5 The Game is our primary affiliate uh, here in Nashville, moving from 93.3 Classic Hits over to 102.5 The Game. That's part of the Vanderbilt Sports Network from Learfield. So that also includes a couple of affiliates uh, down in Chattanooga and Memphis. And, of course, our Vanderbilt Sports uh, Network is available on the Vanderbilt Athletics app, which has a ton of stuff on it, right? That's your tickets. That's, you know, in-game information, all of that sort of stuff. Uh, plus, our broadcasts are available on Sirius XM. So, there should be plenty of ways to find us if you so desire. Um, mostly for Norm, that's sort of my perspective <laughs> on this. No, that uh, the Allegretta voice, everybody loves it. Andrew, let's go to game days, uh, and and the stadium is under construction, of course, as we know. From your perspective, how how will game days look different? Uh, sort of maybe sound different <laughs> with uh, some of the background noises, but uh, but no, how how will game days look and feel? Uh, differently this year so i actually think there's a chance if people are willing to embrace this for this to be a um pretty cool environment um just the uniqueness of the setup will be really really interesting i was over there yesterday uh and and watched as they constructed the scoreboard that's going to be off in the south end zone there uh, you can see all of the beams coming together uh, for the north end zone and the practice facility. So if you're willing to embrace it, it's going to be a cool environment. And as I understand it, ticket sales for Hawaii are, are pretty strong. Um, now, I respect the fact that that candidly, the people that are the most impacted by all of this are the fans. Um, and that's one, unfortunate, but two, also, I think at large, what all of us have wanted for quite some time. So I'm glad that we're working in that direction. The only thing that I would encourage fans to do is just allot yourself a little extra time. If you were used to getting to the stadium and doing it in X amount of time, book an extra 10 or 15 minutes uh, and, and do what you can in advance to, to know what side of the stadium you're on, know how to get into that side of the stadium. If you have tickets for the west side and you enter for the east side, you, you no, it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be a stumbling block. You're going to have to go out and go back in and all that kind of stuff. So um, just book yourself a few extra minutes to get to get squared up on getting to your seats. But, you know, we, we appreciate people's patience and, and more than anything, like the enthusiasm about where this is going. No doubt. And, and Andrew, this this uh, program has grown along with the construction. Right. And, and it, it you can sort of, uh, you know, follow along the construction as this program is building. Right. You can kind of attach those two things together. In what areas have you seen this program grow the most? And, uh, you know, I guess since you've been here, really, uh, but I guess more in particular, this fall camp and heading into this Hawaii matchup. I think from a football perspective, Billy, the talent level has taken obvious strides. Um, and that's kudos to a lot of different people. Um, you know, it starts with Clark, it starts with Barton and their recruiting efforts, and it, and it goes to everybody in the developmental process. Um, but to me, and I'm not saying this with certainty, but I am saying that these guys have the potential to be NFL players and a lot of them have the potential to be NFL players. And not that that's totally new at Vanderbilt, but I think over the past couple of years, a lack of NFL depth 
has been there. Uh, and I've, I've told this to a couple of different people to, to, to me, fall camp was any number of things, but you know, I always try to talk to the position coaches as much as I can after practice. And this fall camp was defined by me waiting for a, a lion scout or a Seahawk scout or a Bronco scout to finish talking to Alex Bailey about Will Shepard or whoever, right? I'm not trying to give away NFL trade secrets here. I, I'm kind of <laughs> making that up. Uh, I'm not exactly sure which teams were talking to who at all of the time, but there were way more scouts lined up to talk with Alex Bailey, Nick Howe, um, whoever else. AJ Blasek was getting some conversations about the offensive lineman. Like Bradley Ashmore has played himself into the conversation of the NFL draft. So um, the talent level taking some serious steps forward is the most notable thing that I've seen specifically in fall camp and over the past 12 months. Who's a player who's flown under the radar and, and fans may not quite know too much about yet, but you think could really make an impact this season? It's an interesting question. I, I, I think fans, and I don't want to presume anybody's attention from day to day on fall camp. I, I right. think some of the people that come to mind have been discussed during fall camp. Um, but Cedric Alexander is going to be a factor this season, the freshman running back. I don't know that he's flown under the radar, at least for us that have been there day in, day out, but he's, he's a really good back and he's a good back for a lot of different reasons. Um, he's, he's got the physicality, he's got the savvy and the feel for running. And the thing that coach Everett would tell you is he's willing to block. Like he's a tough blocker and that's going to get you on the field as a running back uh, at a younger age um, and then certainly some of the younger wide receivers have, have have all had a good camp whether it's been Humphreys whether it's been um, Junior Cheryl on the de defensive side of the football uh, I'll be interested to see his role and how it comes together but the to me the loudest hits of fall camp came from Langston Patterson uh, he laid the hammer a couple of times I don't know exactly <laughs> where his space on the linebacker depth chart will fall as the season ebbs and flows. But that's a young linebacker with a hit stick. So I'm curious to see how he plays out. All right, let's go a little bit to Hawaii, right? Rainbow Warriors uh, traveling to Nashville, I think over 4,000 air miles, right? And they got, I think, round trip, it's almost 9,000 total. So we'll see how that plays into this game. But in your prep for Hawaii this week, uh, what can we expect from this Rainbow Warriors team? And maybe how different might they look uh, from from what Vandy fans saw from them last year in, in, that, in that season opener? I, I think the biggest thing, and I know this has been talked about, is the fact that Timmy Chang in his second season is, is getting his footing with his offense going. That run-and-shoot offense, which, you know, Coach Lee made the comment, the fact that that not only is Timmy Chang important to the state because of what he did, the offense that they ran is important to the state because of mm -hmm. what it did for the football program. Uh, we know what the state is feeling at the moment. So being able to deploy that, you would think with better success, uh, I think will carry some emotions. That offense, this is the fourth coach that's run it at Hawaii. And in the 15 previous seasons, they were top five 12 times in passing yards. So 12 out of the 15 seasons, they were top five in passing yards. That's, that's a successful offense. You still need pieces. You still need understanding. Year one is way different than year two or year three, which coach Lynch is going into. So I don't expect it to be perfect, but I do expect it to challenge Vanderbilt's secondary, which as we know, is a, is a spot on the team that has to take strides. I, I think it will this season in part, because I think the front seven will be a little bit better this year. Uh, but I do think that Hawaii run and shoot offense will at least put some pressure uh, on Vanderbilt's secondary and their ability to communicate well. Real quick, Andrew, quick answer here. What are you most excited to watch for Saturday night, Hawaii, Vanderbilt? Go. Running game. I, I want to see how the running game goes. I think if the running game is really strong, not just on Saturday, uh, but throughout the course of the season, it's going to open up a lot of possibilities for a deep wide receiver room. That's Andrew Allegretta, director of radio broadcasting. Andrew, good luck on the call Saturday night. I'll be up there in the press box, and I'll try to get you a barbecue sandwich maybe. I'll see you then. <laughs> All right, see you, Andrew. John Veneri, radio play-by-play -play broadcaster for ESPN Honolulu, joins me now. He also played 
at Hawaii, former slot back uh, for the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, he played on that 1992 Holiday Bowl team. And crazy story here. Listen to this. His brother Mark is the color analyst in the booth with him. Those are the first pair of brothers to broadcast uh, a team for any major division in college football. How about yeah. that? John, thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time to join me. Sure, no problem. I'm up here at uh, where my mom used to live here in Nashville at my stepdad's house and so we're just uh, we're just chilling before the big game. Awesome. Awesome. Well, we're lo really looking forward to this matchup. Of course, Vanderbilt and Hawaii, 6.30 p.m. kickoff on Saturday night. John, for, for Vandy fans who may not know much about this Hawaii team, how would you describe this program, where they stand right now, heading into year two under Timmy Chang? You know, it's it, it was kind of the perfect storm for Hawaii football, um, having a coach leave, but also a mass exodus of players um, that left because of their relationship with the coach uh, entering the transfer portal uh, and then a new coach coming in and, and really trying to rebuild a program that he himself played in. Um, and Timmy Chang has done a fabulous job of rebuilding um, a program that has struggled since COVID and since before COVID. And I think that he, you know, he's, he's doing the best he can with what he's working with. Uh, but I think the state is, is despite his losing record last year, I think the state is, extremely excited about about the promise that this young first-time head football coach from Hawaii uh, has. And so everybody's looking forward to the start of the season. And while the task is tough with Vanderbilt, um, it's also a chance to be able to prove themselves. John, I've heard about the run and shoot all week, and that's the offense Vanderbilt's defense is, a, is a tasked with going up against on Saturday night. What makes the run and shoot offense so difficult to defend? You know, it, it's going to be very different than, than the offense that they saw against uh, Hawaii while they were on Oahu last year. This is uh, a, because it wasn't until midway through last season that Hawaii started to input some of the run-and-shoot tendencies, routes, and blocking schemes. And while they were completely uh, – th they weren't complete throughout the, most of the rest of the season – it is complete now, and uh, I think Hawaii has done a good job of changing uh, their offense to a full run-and-shoot package. And the most difficult thing to to guard on an offense running the run-and-shoot is the read off the snap that the receivers have. They have the right to make changes at the line of scrimmage and have pre-reads, uh, but once the ball is snapped, it's fair game. And so if the defense is trying to cover one thing, then there's something else that they can run. It's it's an option that the receivers have at the line of scrimmage. They have a pre-read, but then at the snap, dep uh, depending on what the defense does, they can make changes at the receiver position, and that's very hard to defend. And, and you played at Hawaii, and we were talking before uh, we, we got on here that you were the slot back for a triple option style yeah. of offense and the run and shoot offense really didn't get going until uh, June Jones uh, took over. So that's right. I, I know, I know you weren't there, but tell me a little bit more about maybe the evolution of the run and shoot offense and, and maybe how it's changed. You know, you're a football guy, you played at Hawaii. So do you have yeah. any insight into uh, how it even got started under coach Jones and sort of how it has evolved? Well, it, you know, it, it, there's, there's a godfather of the run and shoot, um, and, and then there's the local style version of the run and shoot. And that has been run for years under Ron Lee, who used to coach at Utah. And, and uh, there, there were so many uh, different uh, styles that they all kind of melted together with June Jones. Um, and, and, you know, there's the Lee brothers that ran it at the high school that is most famously known uh, for the quarterbacks that it's produced in Tuatungo Bailoa and Marcus Mariota. Mm -hmm. And the, the list goes on and on. Um, but the run and shoot is is definitely a style of offense that uh, it was inputted under June Jones. Uh, he left San Diego to to bring it uh, to Hawaii and to to run it, and it was run to perfection in his first year. It was the biggest college football turnaround that season, uh, going from a team that was zero and twelve to having an eight win season, and 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 June Jones ran that offense with guys from the previous regime that were running a pro style offense. And so to be able to do that and take a group of guys that never ran that offense before and to make them successful and win football games and go to a bowl game was, was huge. And from that point on, uh, 
Uh, everybody believed in the run and shoot. Everybody believed in June Jones, that it had its ups and downs. But over the course of, uh, you know, just a few years, six years into running that that offense, I went to the Sugar Bowl and and was undefeated in this in in, in its regular season before uh, meeting Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. And so it was um, the evolution was pretty quick, uh, I, I guess. And it had its ups and downs and learning curves. And that all happened with the new players that had come in or the ones that leave. And there have been some very successful uh, quarterbacks. Timmy Chang was a record-setting quarterback and and still has some NCAA records. Then there was Colt Brennan who came to Hawaii simply because of Timmy Chang's uh, ability to be successful on the football field. And then Colt Brennan's story is now national and even international in some cases because he was such a, a good college quarterback and knew a system and had some great receivers, which, by the way, uh, you know, to go back to it being a difficult offense to defend, it's very difficult when you have, uh, again, that perfect storm a quarterback and receivers that are on the same page that can instinctively know where to go with the football or where to run your route. Very hard to stop when, when they're playing that fast, a football game. Um, so, you know, from the offense that I played in, in, in the late eighties, early nineties was the offense that then went on to, to uh, Georgia tech and Georgia Southern and Navy. And uh, coach Kenny Matalolo was one of my graduate assistants while I was a player uh, Jeff Munkin, who is a, the coach at Army, mm -hmm. was also a graduate assistant during the times that I played. And so uh, Paul Johnson's style of uh, uh, spread offense, that spread triple option, had become very popular. Uh, and then on to Georgia Tech before he retired. But um, the run and shoot has definitely been uh, an offense that is most remembered because it's still being run at St. Louis High School, uh, where it's produced so many great quarterbacks. I hope that kind of mm -hmm. says a little something. Well, it does. I knew you could answer that question. Tremendous uh, historical perspective on the run and shoot offense there. You mentioned Timmy Chang, Hawaii's mm -hmm. head coach. He's in year two. Uh, that offense, that run and shoot offense, put him in the NCAA record book, as you mentioned, for career passing yards, uh, over 17,000, which is crazy. Uh, that mark has been surpassed, but he still holds other records, as you mentioned. After a 3-10 and season, he, it's going to be a full throttle return. To, to this offense, as you mentioned, halfway through last season, they made the switch. And let's talk about the quarterback, Braden mm -hmm. Shager, the junior who, uh, you know, started to play really well. It's it's funny. Run and shoot is instituted. Hawaii wins some games down the stretch of the season. So uh, gave some motivation and some confidence to this team and this fan base. Uh, but tell me about the quarterback, Braden Shager, uh, leading the charge. Well, you know, uh, he's become – a more vocal leader on the football field. And that comes with uh, experience. It, it comes with uh, being able to throw your shoulders back a little bit. He's a little bit older now. He's a, he's a junior <laughs> and um, he has really caught on well. And coach Timmy Chang decided to stick with him despite a couple of quarterbacks that have come, uh, come in this year into fall camp. Uh, Braden Shager has seemed to pick up the offense the most and it best fits his style of football um, and being able to work with the receivers uh, you know, on a daily basis on that first team and being named the starter before camp even started with, I think was such a big confidence booster for, for a junior quarterback. And it hasn't been like that for a few years now where a quarterback was immediately uh, coming into camp as the starter. And so I think he really has taken that role and run with it. He's a vocal leader on the field. He has helped with uh, he, he's, you know, spent so much time in the offseason learning the offense and, in, in, you know, instilling in himself some of the concepts and really learning the concepts. But, but um, you know, in player run workouts, he was a very vocal leader and helped some of the receivers that had come in that weren't as familiar with the offense. And so he has helped them get on the same page. And I think that's the biggest change. A lot of people will say he's physically bigger. He worked really, really hard. And those are the kinds of things that you would expect from a Division One athlete. But to be able to change yourself from being a background leader and maybe even leading on the field with his style of play to becoming that same player, but now adding a vocal part of it, he's really taken that, that position. And it's because he knows it so much. And he sat a long time throughout the summer with Timmy Chang in the, in the film room. John, last season, let's go to defense. They lost 10 of their 12 uh, top tacklers. 
and they allowed a lot of points, as did Vanderbilt last year, mm -hmm. right? So uh, these are two defenses that are looking to improve after some struggles last season. Uh, what can fans in attendance on Saturday night expect to see from this Rainbow Warrior defense? Well, the offense didn't isn't the only side of the football that made some changes and 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 started to change a little uh, a little something with what they're doing uh, scheme wise. I think you'll see a more aggressive style of defense, and Hawaii did go to that um, midway through the season as well. There were some changes made on that side of the ball, and um, and while he didn't start the beginning of the season and did not or he may have played a few plays, but very sparingly, if anything, he played special teams. But the leader that really shined bright was Logan Taylor. Logan Taylor started the last few games of the season and had some ridiculous amount of tackles, 85. He led the team. And at that point, he was leading all tacklers in the conference with as many, uh, with as many tackles as he had in just those games. And so double-digit tackles in each of those games, just a phenomenal uh a phenomenal player, but also that vocal leader and provides the energy at practice and the juice during drills. He really is uh, the guy that has stepped up defensively. And if there were anybody that had a that had a better example, there was none more than Logan Taylor, who had that many tackles, worked hard, didn't start the season, but made the most of an opportunity on defense. That defense revolves around him, and there couldn't be a better player to do it. Interesting. Okay, John, let's get to what to watch for Saturday night. Obviously, Hawaii and Vanderbilt met last year. And, uh, you know, Vanderbilt got off to a slow start, uh, and then they ended up winning. But do you expect to see some extra motivation, potentially, uh, from this Hawaii team? And uh, maybe a couple other things you're looking forward to watching Saturday night. Well, you know, when you schedule these, when you schedule these games, um, when an SEC team – schedules a Mountain West Conference game. They're going into that more than likely knowing they're going to win that football game, that they're right. going to overpower their opponent, that they're going to have superior athletes. I think last year was a case of having a lot of great athletes. I think Hawaii, when, when you're talking about the offense, the run and shoot, the triple option that I was in, the gimmicky type of offense is what allowed Hawaii all these years to be able to compete with teams like a Vanderbilt. Um, and there have been a number of games over the years where Hawaii has been successful in big games, Michigan, Michigan State, uh, not Michigan, but Michigan State. Um, there, There's countless, I could go over and over Notre Dame. There's so many, yeah. Pitt, Illinois, there's so many different teams across the country that Hawaii has been successful with because they've had gimmicky offense, the triple option and the run and shoot. When, when you put superior athletes against a gimmicky offense, um, but a scrappy bunch of guys who may not be the five-star recruits, but they have athleticism and they work really hard. That um, is a big deal. And I think that's why you play a game because on paper, Vanderbilt wins this game. But when you step all those guys on the field and they start going at it, that's why you play the football game. And Hawaii is definitely the underdog. I mean, by more than two touchdowns. Um, and on paper, it might even be more than that. But you give yourself an opportunity to play these games um, when, you, when you've when you got a team that is bonded. Um, I know you wanted to ask me about culture and a team that has really come through with uh, a new culture of football. It, Hawaii is a special place. And if you ask anybody, there's a type of person that lives in Hawaii that makes you feel better sometimes, that makes you smile. It's called that aloha spirit. Well, with the return of Timmy Chang and the culture of football in at the University of Hawaii, this has truly become a brotherhood of football players. They really do play for the person next to them. And I think the biggest thing about that is you give yourself an opportunity to fight for a win. There isn't anybody that's going to let you give up. There isn't anybody that's going to let you lay on the turf without picking you up and trying again on the next play. And I think that has been Hawaii football for decades. Um, when you play big, big games, like beating BYU the night that Ty Deppner wins the Heisman Trophy on the Aloha Stadium turf, it's that type of football team with the defense that ended up beating them 72-10 to 10 or whatever that score was when Chad Owens had returns for touchdowns at Aloha Stadium when they were top 10 in the country. 
there are so many different examples that I could give you that would be a great example of Hawaii football over the last few decades. And that's why they're here. It's why they're going to play this football game. And they hope that they're taken lightly because when you're the underdog, uh, nobody really gives you a chance anyway. And that, John, is why I love this matchup. Some great perspective there on the culture, uh, the excitement, the motivation for, for this game. And, John, lastly, I'll say uh, continued prayers for for you guys and everybody uh, in Hawaii. And Vanderbilt is actually supporting recovery efforts uh, following the, the devastating wildfires. Uh, so, again, praying for you guys and uh, hoping that uh, you get everything you need um, for uh, for the Hawaii community. So, uh, yeah, looking forward uh, to, to seeing Saturday night's game. John, the voice of the Rainbow Warriors joining us here. Thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, let me just go ahead and say thank you to everybody that has donated um, to the Hawaii Red Cross that has helped through the human, uh, Hawaii Community Foundation website. Um, there are a lot of heavy hearts and there are a few players from Lahaina um, on, on this football team. And so um, they're, they're heavy hearts. They know they got to come, uh, you know, do a job, but, but Hawaii is hurting right now. And so maybe this for the next few hours on a Saturday night, Hawaii can forget about the tension, the loss of a family member, the loss of a home or their property. And so thank you to everybody at, uh, you know, in Vandyland here in Nashville, that is going to be doing something for, um, for a state on the other side of the country. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. John Venary, the voice of the Rainbow Warriors, joining us here. John, thank you so much. Take care. Michael Scholl, Director of Football Communications, joining me now to close out the Vanderbilt Football pregame show here on VandySports.com. Michael, thanks for taking the time. I want to start with, and Andrew Allegretta just had him on. He mentioned this as well. How early would you recommend fans arriving? I'm sure fans will tailgate. Good luck to those tailgating in the heat. But uh, how early should fans plan to show up uh, to First Bank Stadium? So we'll open gates two hours prior to kickoff, so 4.30 on Saturday. Um, so you can get into the stadium starting at 4.30. Um, again, we'd encourage you to come out and tailgate. The kids' zone is open four hours prior. We'll have Star Walk still. A lot of those consistent game day elements will still be there, but you can start getting into the seats at 4.30. Okay, and now I'm going to pull up this map, and for those listening, they will not uh, see this, of course, but uh, on the YouTube <laughs> version, uh, we're going to do our best to basically describe what it takes to get in and out of First Bank Stadium. So, Mike, I'll just sort of give you the floor here. Absolutely. Um, so, first of all, I, I think the biggest thing is fans should be aware they can always go to viewcommodores.com. We have a banner right at the top with construction updates that talks about road closures, sidewalk closures, all that kind of stuff has the latest information. So certainly take a look at that before you head to campus so you know where you're going. A lot of the parking lots aren't really changed, right? The 25th Avenue garage, the flat lots, the med center lots over um, across Natchez Trace. A lot of the parking lots haven't been impacted by the construction yet, but there are street closures. So you might not have the same route to get to your parking lot that you did before. Um, and then walking certainly for most people is going to be a different path. I think the biggest thing to keep in mind is if you sit on the west side of the stadium, so the press box side, you're going to want to enter the west side of the stadium at the Frist Family Gate, which is at the corner of Jess Neely and Natchez Trace. If you sit on the east side of the stadium, which is sections P to V on the baseball side of First Bank Stadium, you're going to enter Memorial Gym off of 25th, go through the gym and out onto the concourse. Um, so your, your, your day will go much smoother if you know where your seats are <laughs> and you know which side of the stadium you're on and where you need to go in. So there you have it. Michael Scholl giving us uh, all the insight there. Mike, I'll, I'll leave it to you to give any last minute reminders, whether it's um, any new rules, new policies, new, um, you know, new anything. What, what's new uh, for fans this year? I would say, keep in mind, we'll have ticket offices on both sides, right? So if you're going in the west side, there's a ticket office in the parking lot right at the corner of Natchez and Jess Neely. If you're going in Memorial Gym, the ticket windows in Memorial Gym, which are behind center field of Hawkins Field, will be open. There's game day storage lockers on both sides. We still have our clear bag policy. So that we've had for a couple of years. Keep that in mind. But if you bring something you can't take in, there will be storage lockers on both sides available for rent. Um, the other new policy we have this year that I think will be really helpful on Saturday is fans can bring in one sealed bottle of water. Um, it's got to still be sealed. You can't bring an empty one. You, um, 
less, I believe it's less than 24 ounces. So with the heat, feel free to bring in a bottle of water for each person. It still has to be sealed when you bring it in. They're going to look at it. Um, but make sure you're hydrating Saturday and, and we'll have a, a great football game against Hawaii. Looking forward to it. 6.30 kickoff. Again, gates open at 4.30. You might want to arrive even earlier just to uh, to give yourself some time. Check if you're on the east side. Go to those gates. West side, go to those gates. So uh, Exactly. Michael, thank you so much for taking the time. And uh, I know you're busy, so uh, I really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, Billy. Thanks, Mike. All right, that's the intro. Let the interviews run. And here's the close. Big thanks to all of our guests who joined on this week's Vanderbilt football pregame show here on VandySports.com. Joey Dwyer, Andrew Allegretta, John Venary, and Michael Scholl. We're going to try to do something like this every week before every game. So I look forward to continue to do this uh, with all you guys. This podcast has always been free, and we plan for it to always be free. So here's how you can help keep it that way. A few things. Number one, give the podcast a review and a five-star rating. That helps us get noticed. If you are listening and haven't subscribed to VandySports.com yet, please do. It's $99 a year and helps us tremendously. Secondly, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel. That's free. And lastly, if you're interested in sponsoring the show, as I mentioned earlier, email Chris Lee at ChrisLee70 at gmail.com. Again, that's ChrisLee70 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you again soon with more episodes of the Vandy Sports Podcast.